Sabrina, your TDVP from Division Two, and today, today's really special, guys. I am here with my peer TDVP, Anthony Jones, and today we're going to talk about something that we have created at CBS that we're addressing, and that's wellness. Part of wellness is identifying some of the things that we don't talk about for our mental wellness and our mental well-being. And today's topic is about ADHD. Anthony is going to educate us because if we're DL, we may have it, right? We may have some subtle signs or we may have teams that report to us that have it. We're going to talk about how many people in the U.S. have it and the misconceptions of ADHD. And we're also going to talk about neurodivergence. So this episode, guys, grab your pen and pad. Let's get ready to learn. And first, I'm going to start by saying welcome, Anthony. Welcome, Anthony. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, Cabrina. Well, thanks for being here, Anthony. Let's start by introducing yourself to the audience. Can you tell us like who you are and share your journey with CBS? Yeah. Again, thanks for having me today and really excited to get in front of this team virtually out there. And uh, I'll start with saying that I've been with CVS for 16 years. I started out in a little store in Waterville, New York, which is up near Utica. Uh, very, very small store, even had corn around it. So in nighttime, made it really interesting running out to our cars, but um, have had the benefit and experience to work in multiple areas here throughout New England, uh, whether that's in Pennsylvania and Hudson Valley, um, and then in Connecticut, and then most recently have worked all through Division One from Maine all the way out through Ohio and have been in the TDBP role for three years. Personally, um, been married to my wife for a few years, Amanda. She's a clinical therapist who deals primarily with eating disorders and works in a practice here in the Boston area. So really excited to be on and get to meet and talk a little bit more today, Sabrina. That's fantastic. And and thanks for sharing your journey with us. We're going to get started at like 30,000 feet. I'm going to start by asking you, what is neurodivergence? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and not a word you hear every day, right? So neuro right. what I think might be the first thing that comes to mind for most folks, but the best way I, I like to think about it is it's the differing in mental or neurological function from what's considered normal. Now, normal could also be a what buzzword that folks might be a little uncomfortable with, but think about in your group of friends or the folks you interact with every day, if somebody was to behave maybe a little differently from that or how they think function, that would be really what we're focused on here today. I see. Very good. That's interesting. Today's topic is about ADHD. Can you tell us, like, how many people in the U.S. have ADHD? Yeah, so ADHD, for a lot of folks, might be thrown around like, oh, that's just my ADHD. And for folks, hey, that, that might not mean that they have it, right? Everybody's forgetful from time to time. But with ADHD, there are 6.1 million Americans or about 9% of the general population that are currently diagnosed within the United States. Wow. If you think about our world here at CVS, um, that would mean overall, we probably, if those 9% held true, that'd be about 27,000 colleagues that may have ADHD here at CVS. 
I never thought about it that way. So we are connecting with people every day that have ADHD. So for those of us, you just said we kind of play around with the word, oh, it's my ADHD. Can you tell us what it is? Yeah, so I'm going to start with uh, some chemicals for our pharmacists out there. And for those of us who aren't uh, pharmacists, I'm raising my hand. I, I've had to go on this journey of learning some uh, some hormones and some chemicals in my life. but it starts out with the chemical dopamine within our brain and dopamine really focuses on our executive functioning. So our mood, our attention, our motivation centers, and it regulates our reward system. So if you think about, Hey, I do this, this occurs. That's really what this chemical focuses on. And with its levels, it can increase in an individual, their ability to enjoy pleasure from consistency, right? playing a game, eating food, all those things. So when you take a step back and then say, okay, so if there's an irregularity in the dopamine level of someone with ADHD, what could that look like in me? ADHD has three types, inattentiveness, hyperactivity with impulsion, and then it could be combined. So personally, I'm an individual with diagnosed ADHD and I fit very squarely in all three pegs. Now, with that being said, Cabrina, while my parents aren't diagnosed, we do know that one in four people with ADHD has a parent who also have the disorder. That's very interesting. And that is to know too, it makes sense that it's hereditary in a way. Is that what you're saying to us? It is. Okay. You brought it up earlier. We throw that word around all of the time. So I have a ADHD or I'm having an ADHD moment. What are some of the misconceptions of ADHD? It's, it's a good question. A lot of times when folks may hear ADHD or they throw around the term, they think about inattentiveness, forgetfulness, um, not being in the moment, that daydreamer. And that very well may be a symptom of ADHD for some individuals, but we all have that, right? We all have that those times where maybe our energy is low or our, our thoughts are wandering based on what's going on in our life, or maybe we don't have a good structure for ourselves. But one of the biggest misconceptions with that point of inattentiveness is that ADHDers can actually be extremely focused and extremely organized. And there's terms called masking, where for ADHDers, they may not be consciously aware that they are putting together processes for themselves to alleviate some of those symptoms of inattentiveness or even hyperactivity, right? So sometimes you see, you may see ADHD in children where they can't emotionally regulate or they can't regulate their energy. Think about the, the kid who's tapping their toe constantly in class, can't sit straight, can't sit down for a long time. That's really easy for us to see in children, but the same thing might not be said for an adult and it might be little things like they're biting on a pencil or they're fidgeting with a pen. Those things are really hard to see and sometimes we don't see them ourselves, which makes adult diagnosis for ADHD harder than in children. That's really interesting. I'm thinking about how I have family members and friends that were probably misdiagnosed or never diagnosed for that. And I'd like to know, how did you find out uh, about your ADHD? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I came about my ADHD diagnosis much later in life, um, actually only two years ago. 
and it saw I saw out an experience of wanting to learn more about my brain. So um, I'll make the plug as a talent development business partner. I, I got to develop myself too. And for my personal development, I wanted to know more about why do I sometimes not read the room, right? Like if I get tired, why am I not maybe reading the emotional cues of like maybe a lack of buy-in or seeing that someone just wasn't committed to something? And also, why was I expending a lot of emotional and just brain time to keep myself on track, right? No one sees those things, but that was me self-regulating. So I actually went about setting up for myself a neuropsych evaluation at Boston University. And it's open to the public. You just need a referral from your primary care physician. And I, I just told my... Uh, my PCP, hey, I, I'm doing this for my development. There's a couple things that I'd love to check out about my ability to stay focused. And then my goal is to learn more about how do I leverage my strengths of where I can manage my energy and focus? And then what are things I got to watch out for? So it was a really great experience walking up to this big old brick building in Boston University and they take you down to a little room for four to five hours. And they go through a whole battery of um, neurological memory tests, pattern recognition on computers and verbally. And really how that turned out is they also did interviews with my mom, my dad, my, my wife and my family to better understand my childhood. How did I interact with peers? They did a self-evaluation before even going in. And then following that evaluation and series, um, the doctor that led me through this then consolidated the data and presented me with a 12 page paper of how the brain of Anthony Jones works, right? So 12 pages, Cabrina. And <laughs> with that being said, their diagnosis was, hey, there are symptoms uh, that we would feel very comfortable in saying that you fit within a very high functioning ADHD diagnosis. And they gave me a list of resources, tools, and things to know. And honestly, one of the most surprising things to me of that diagnosis in that 12 pages was that one of the things I love most was doing me some harm. And what I mean by that is I love music, Cabrina. I used to have yeah. music on in the background always. And one okay. of the things that my neuropsych evaluation showed is that my brain is really great at pattern recognition but it's really bad at multitasking when there's sound in the background. And they said, mm. when you're trying to focus, you gotta be in a quiet space. And since I've put that into place, it's been much more helpful to me. So that's my journey. Wow, that's just, it's really fascinating that not only did they do research based on what you said, they took others' observations to pull in the full report to share with you. It's really interesting to learn your self-awareness, right? So you were saying that you were self-regulating and you wanted to really understand how or why that level of self-awareness wasn't there in, in certain areas. That's first, that's very courageous and brave of you. And I see this moment with us as a gift. So thank you for sharing that with us, Anthony. With everything that you've learned about yourself, especially in the last years, right? So how would you say since being diagnosed, ADHD has impacted you? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things I've had to grab, 
like grapple with is, and I've had the support of a ADHD specific um, psychotherapist is the concept of trusting myself. And I mentioned earlier some of those masking things, which were subconscious actions and structures put in place to keep me on track. And having to grapple with the concept of, do I really trust myself? Do I trust that my brain is gonna allow me to do the things that I want to do most? Because as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I was struggling with without even recognizing it was reading the room when maybe my energy and attention span was lower because I was maybe had exhausted my brain already for the day. And not wanting to step on a metaphorical landmine in conversation with someone and having to talk about what's the first step, right? So that's been something that I continue to work on and I, I feel like I've made a lot of progress on. And it comes with acknowledging that when you express positive, negative emotions, there are there's energy that comes with that, right? And I always used to not really listen to my body and my brain about, all right, how am I mentally tired? Do I need to take a break? And one of the things I've put into place for myself is just taking more breaks throughout the day, right? Setting that hard line for myself of when am I really done for the day? Yeah, our business will ebb and flow, but when am I going to focus on self-care time? Whether that's working out, whether that is just going for a walk and breaking it up. And then the last part is really just around pattern recognition. So I can, and it came up in my self-evaluation, I am exceedingly quick to pick up on patterns, thought process, and jump from A to Z, but I need to always slow down to say, well, am I bringing everybody along with me? And mm. I, I consistently receive feedback of, oh, well, you have this great innovative thought process about where we could go. And then, oh yeah, you're, you really create a lot of great data and insight. But what I admittedly have an opportunity to do is better share how am I going from that data and insight to the vision of what could be. And that's something that I've worked on with um, my boss, Carrie, and then with my peers around how do I continue to do that? And I asked for specific feedback on it. So a plug for our FFL content of ask for the feedback you seek to get. That's an area where I might ask for like, hey, is my thought process, process making sense here? Yes, yes. You know, asking for feedback is the greatest gift we can get when we're working on ourselves. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. I'm thinking I'm a PL and I don't really know if I have ADHD, but some of the things that you're describing tells me why I'm not thinking and acting strategically or why I'm not ensuring outcomes, or just some of the gaps that I'm finding that I, I'm having, I just could never put a word or a phrase to it. Let's say I have ADHD or a member of my team has it. Can you suggest some resources that we could take on so that we could learn more about this? Yeah, so first and foremost, want to appreciate the time here to discuss and really talk about a little bit of what our leaders could do. And uh, I want to be the first person to say, hey, we shouldn't start going and assessing all of our teams to say, does this sound like our team? Do they have ADHD? Should I treat them differently? As always, team, that's not what we want to do or the purpose here. But if you do want to take meaningful actions of what if I have folks that are neurodivergent in the workplace or perhaps have ADHD, what can I do? The first is listen, right? We do this for everyone. 
but listen to learn and how do you create psychological safety? Individuals with ADHD typically, on average, will have larger issues with rejection. So what would that mean in a workplace? When you think about psychological safety, they may not advocate for themselves. They may not advocate for others out of fear of rejection for their ideas, especially if they struggle with trusting whether what they're articulating makes sense, they may sit by a little bit, which could seem contrary to what you expect if you're thinking, oh, ADHD might have some hyperactivity. Remember, that's not everybody, right? Everybody is a different individual and how that shows up could look differently. So that's something to keep in mind is that individuals with ADHD sometimes struggle with that rejection and they gotta they might be very open and trusting, but when it comes to trusting their voice or trusting that their perspective is gonna be there, that might be a higher bar. So one thing, listen. Second is going to be about inclusion and having fun. ADHD can be a superpower for focus. Having clarity and setting someone on the right path, just like we would do for all of our leaders is really important. So set the goal, set the milestone, but also set maybe some guardrails so that this person that is super excited about working maybe on we care recovery knows what are the guardrails of their role. Cause otherwise you might get some really interesting and involved things. And like I said before, maybe they are really good at pattern recognition and they're really good at innovativeness. They might go real quick and you might not know where they've gone. So as a leader, it just reinforces the need to be really clear with expectation and set guardrails before letting our team run and own it. And then I would lastly say the biggest thing that we can do for our teams as always, if you hear someone is struggling in the workplace with managing their energy, managing how they self-manage or regulate themselves, we have a world of resources um, available in our resources for living to set individuals up with six free therapy sessions, also set them up with their primary care. It's not our role as leaders to take on that therapist role, right? It's our role as leaders to focus on what are the next steps to act on our goals and how we do that together. If someone crosses that line where you're a little uncomfortable of like, this sounds awfully like therapy, hey, don't be afraid to make sure that you're respecting the individual and politely setting a boundary to say, hey, I'm a little uncomfortable on this. Not to say that I, I don't wanna have the conversation, but I wanna make sure that you're getting the right level of support you need and then directing them towards those resources for living resources or the primary care for therapy because ADHD is one of the largest misdiagnosed um, disorders in the United States for mental health. And why I say that, Cabrina, is that a lot of times general anxiety disorder is the misdiagnosis. Anxiety is a symptom of ADHD, but sometimes we only see the symptom and not the root cause of the anxiety is caused by falling behind when they feel rejection or they're unable to focus on the goal and they see the anxiety. So this is an area where there's whole specialists that focus on it. And our best thing we can do if somebody's saying they need that type of therapy help is direct them in the right resources where they're widely available. Anthony, 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 you taught us so much during this episode. We're going to want some contact information from you just in case we don't know where to start. We heard you, but we want to just connect with you and share how our story resonates, what you said. You taught us that 
six million folks have ADHD and that could be 27,000 of our colleagues. I love how you talked about dopamine and how that regulates the reward system. I love how you talked about masking and self-regulating and how you found out you had ADHD and how you show up in the world today as a highly functioning colleague. And, you know, you give us hope if we think that this is a bad thing because having uh, ADHD has a lot of benefits as well. And uh, I can't thank you enough for sharing this important topic today. So, Anthony, let's say you said something that really resonated with me and I want to connect with you. What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so I'm going to put it out there that I appreciate and love telephone calls and text messages. So I'll put it out there. My cell phone is 315-748-4362. My email is anthony.jones at cbshealth.com. I welcome anyone to reach out if you ever need a thought partner here in the talent development world to help you think about how we can lead our teams. I'm there for you, or you're just wondering about this conversation today or personal growth and development. I'm your guy and really excited is a plug here, Cabrina, to work with uh, region eight, nine, 10, and 70 teams here in the future. That's fantastic. Well, we're all lucky to have you in division two. And thanks again for sharing this wellness moment with us. And uh, can't wait to work with you this year. We get to work together this year, which is fantastic. And folks, we want your feedback. So please send any comments or questions to cabrina.mclean at cbshealth.com or anthony.jones at cbshealth.com. Until then, we'll see you guys for the next episode. Thanks for listening, guys.